This episode of What's the Story podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and is now available in USA, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand and the EU. We have an exclusive offer for all of our listeners today. When you head over to manscaped.com, use the code WTSPOD and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. So go on ahead, join the movement and the 2 million men worldwide who already trust Manscaped. Did you know one bloke every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? Testicular cancer is the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35. And this month Manscaped are working with the Testicular Cancer Society to spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection. In addition to providing the right tools and solutions for safe and easy grooming, we're encouraging you to check yourself at least once a month and if you find anything that seems untoward, any lumps, bumps, anything painful, any new swelling, get it checked out properly. Give your doctor a call and make sure that nothing sinister is brewing. Together, the Testicular Cancer Society, Manscaped and WTS Pod are all committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer that's affecting these young men. We're also giving support to fighters, survivors and families of impacted by testicular cancer as part of the We Save Balls initiative. So make sure that you're checking yourself regularly, you're keeping yourself looking fresh and tidy by using those Manscaped tools and remember, when you join the Manscaped movement, you're taking care of your balls in more ways than one. Head on over to manscaped.com to learn more and also use the code WTSPOD at checkout and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Your balls will thank you. Hello everybody and welcome to WTS 234. My name is Danny Murray. I am Brian Murray. How are you, Dan? I am absolutely fucking stupendous, Brian. So am I. Um, spiffingly well. We we had a tough week. We recorded three podcasts in a week. No, um, we haven't. We haven't done that. Finale. Yeah, this is it. This is the the, the hat trick. It's the hat trick. We used it. We used to spread them out over three weeks. But mm. we three podcasts in about know, six days. Spoiling people. But absolutely. That's what happens when you're on the top of the podcast game. Uh, so you won't hear from us now for a month. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We're taking a break. Uh, I'm sure um, that, manscaped in. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, the old discount code, lads. It's only got a couple of weeks left. Only a couple of weeks left. So if uh, if your jungle area is a bit too junglish, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's head trimming season. So get the lawnmower out, as they say. But yeah, I like. I mean, we alluded to this episode last week. Well, the other day, <laughs> we were talking to me <laughs> last night. <laughs> last night, Jesus, uh, five years ago. Five. Year, this is over five years now that the repeat is. So yeah, last time we spoke to WWE superstar Finn Balor, you picked him up from his parents' house in Bray. In my Ford Focus. On a cold New Year's Day in your Ford Focus. Yeah, on a New Year's Eve at about 
half an hour after midnight, so half <laughs> um, I had an Irish coffee and the caffeine was shaking in my body. So because I was picking up Finn from his lovely parents' house in Bray, yeah. sleep, I was afraid, because I was shaking with caffeine, I was like, well, I can't go to sleep. What if I sleep out? And I can't, this is the best interview we're ever going to get. Like, this is a superstar, worldwide superstar. And I just want to pick him up on time in my far focus in the piss and the rain. And I did, but I was shaking with caffeine from 1 a.m. till about 6. I'd say I got about an hour of sleep. Jesus, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I'll never forget it, in the old, uh, in Lindsay's old gym when Lindsay was still part of the podcast. She'll always be part of the podcast, but when she was a yeah. presenter on the podcast. Uh, it was the horrible weather, wasn't it, Dan? Well, it was mad cold and windy, and I, I drove up from, uh, from Leash on New Year's Day after uh, definitely <laughs> indulging on New Year's Eve. Um, but yeah, man, that, that was a memory that I think we'll always have on this podcast. And uh, still to this day, it's one of the most popular episodes. I can't go back and listen to old episodes. I just cringe when I listen to them. So do I. Yeah, but... I'll uh, be listening to this. So that's it, that's it. But uh, yeah, look, the Fergal Devitt, aka Finn Balor, uh, the Prince, kind enough to, to come back on the podcast and give us some time. And uh, we have to give a special thank you to uh, somebody who gave us a hand to put this one together, don't we, Merlo? We do indeed. So this episode of the podcast is in association with Inner City Health and Homeless. I want to give a shout out to um, Brian McLaughlin, who does unbelievable work there. He's the head of communications with Inner City Health and Homeless. Um, and of course, we did one already in the past um, with Inner City Health and Homeless. Um, and they do great work. And we'll talk to Finn a bit about that as well, because yeah. he he does like to give them a hand when he's home he meets up with them he goes into Brian and uh, he does a bit of work with them as well that's it that's so, it so um, head, head over to ICHH.ie where, where possible lads when you can and all that kind of thing I know things are tough for a lot of people out there at the moment but you know give, give, it, give a little hand to the folks in inner city health and homeless the work they do is relentless they're brilliant and um, if it wasn't for people like those guys then then we'd all be a lot worse off um, absolutely so and we and we off. did interview the co-founder and uh, Anthony Flynn he was a counsellor as well yeah yeah we did, did Anthony was a gent a few months back and he was a gent and they do absolutely stellar work they're out every night um, of the week making sure rough sleepers are looked after you That's know either patient or food or whatever so they're um, I like to donate them every few months so, yeah, that's it. So, here we go. Here oh, is worldwide superstar, the greatest wrestler to come out of Ireland. It's the one and only Finn Balor. Now we have the best, as I said in the intro, the best wrestler to ever come out of Ireland. He's our <laughs> mate. We haven't <laughs> spoken to him in five years. Last time he spoke to him, I picked him up in his parents and we fought focus. It's the one and only Fergal Devitt, also known as Finn Balor, the Prince. How are you, Ferg? Gents, it feels like an eternity ago. And in the same space, it feels like just yesterday at the same time. Know. You know? That's it. So, but yeah, everything's going great, lads. I'm glad to talk to you. Cheers. The man. last Thank time you. we spoke to you, you were a single man. Now you're all married. I'm married, yeah. I'm married yeah. a year and a half now. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. It came, came out of nowhere. Just single, happy... 
you know, nothing phased me. Met this girl and straight away I knew, oh, that's the one. And yeah, just makes me hurt on Instagram. These are just adorable together. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. Um, we, we, um, thanks to Brian McLaughlin from Inner City Help and Homeless. This podcast is in association with Inner City Help and Homeless. And we've had Anthony Flynn on the podcast before. Um, and we've noticed over the years that you're, you're heavily involved when it comes to Twitter and helping them out. I mean, you're home, you go into Brian and stuff. What, what does that mean to you? And how did, why did you get involved? Um, I just can't imagine anything worse than living on the streets in Dublin and like not having an address or like it's bad enough walking around with your shopping bags in the rain, like trudging around. And the idea of having somewhere to go home to is like comforting, you know. But for those people that are living on the streets that like are literally have nowhere to go home to, it just feels like you know one of the worst most, most hopeless situations you could ever be in so i just have like a lot i've always had like a lot of empathy for the homeless especially in dublin and uh like was a no-brainer really to get involved and I, I feel lucky to be able to be like involved with the lads so closely and be able to help in any way i can brilliant brilliant yeah absolutely man absolutely <laughs> it's a it's a great charity and that's as you said kind of when, when we got to talk to anthony it was clear that like the the only thing they want to do was help people, and uh, that's something I think yeah. we can all support. So, if uh, if people listening want to jump onto our website ichh.ie, um, take a look at what to do, and uh, if you can and you want to give a little, and they will do a lot with it. So yeah, on Tottenham Hotspur, Fergal. I was going to say onto onto serious topics, and you drive straight in, Merrill. On to serious topics, Tottenham Hotspur, your beloved Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, man. The, Is Harry got Kane bound to Man United next season or Manchester City? You know what? I, I hate to say this, but they just continue and continue and continue to break my heart every season. And I almost feel like the biggest tick in the world for like at the start of every season, really buying into the hype. And going like, ah, oh, this is the year. This is the year. We have the squad now. We have the depth in the squad. We're going to do it this season. And like for literally the last 35 years, they've let me down every year, every year you know. So, uh, um, but yeah, if, if Harry goes, he goes. Like, like Bale went. I don't think Harry's going to win us the league. Like it's going to take more than Harry. So if he goes, he goes. If, when Pochettino went, he'd kind of done everything he could and he went and, I don't think like one player is going to win us the league, so it's going to take a lot more than like keeping or losing Harry Kane to to see any progress. I think. Do you think? Do you think, uh, do you think Jose was the right replacement for Potts? Uh, it's hard to say. I don't think it was the right time to replace Potts, mm. but like they had to bring in like someone with that star power to replace him. Like they couldn't yeah, yeah. go with someone who wasn't like a, a, you know, an international recognized like superstar as a manager. So it was a good replacement, but I don't think it was time for Posh to go yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like talking about Tottenham. So it was like one of the tours of UK and there was a uh, WWE show in Belfast and Tottenham were in the semifinals of the, uh, the Champions League, right? And I, so my at the time girlfriend was, she works for Fox and she was going to be reporting live and uh, from Madrid at the final. So I said, oh, I'll just go with you. So I had booked like a flight and a hotel just to go to Madrid for the week of the Champions League final, not knowing like who was going to be in it. 
So then we're in, we're in, we're in Belfast backstage. I'm in the catering kitchen with my dad, my little brother, and his son. And we've got the iPhone on a pirate stream of the Champions League semi-final. And Morris scores that goal. And we're like jumping around with the, the catering staff or a bunch of lads from Newcastle. And we're just jumping around, high-fiving them. And it's like that moment, like not the final. The final was great, even though we lost. But that moment like is that will kind of keep me going as a Tottenham fan for the next 20 years, you know? There's that, that one victory, you know what I mean? It was like pure emotion. I can't believe we've done it. We're going to the Champions League final. I already have flights. I already have a hotel. This is class. Like, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I ended up going to the Champions League final. Uh, flew there with no tickets. My brother came with me, uh, his partner, and then... My girlfriend was there the day before. We all got four tickets. We all went to the Champions League final. Like, obviously, the game was dirt. Tottenham didn't show up. <laughs> and, like, I remember, like, at the end of the game, like, my brother's final whistle stands up and walks out. Like, he refuses to watch Liverpool celebrate. And then I'm thinking, like, oh, I don't want to watch this shit either, you know? And I'm starting to stand up. And, like, Veronica grabs me. And she just loves football. Just loves sports and loves football. And she wants to see, like... <laughs> The finale, like she wants to see the trophy lifted, so she can tell that, that I'm bullying, you know. <laughs> like I'm sitting there and I'm going like this, like I don't want to watch this. I just get my hands in my head and all like this, and my head in my hands. But then, like finally, like I came to terms with it, like in about like a minute or two, and like she goes, "Are you okay?" And I said, "Look, I, regardless of the outcome, like this is one of the best moments in my life. Like I even thought I'm lost. It was just such an amazing day, like." To get to experience that with, you know, Veronica, my brother, his partner, and just like, you know, as a Tottenham fan, like it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to go Champions League final, let alone to see the team that you've followed your whole life. So yeah. it was a, it was a memorable day, even though we lost, but it was, you didn't really expect Tottenham to win, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't expect them to get there in the first place. Exactly. Was, yeah. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. The victory was was getting there, you know, and having that weekend there in, in Madrid and just like hanging out, you know. Yeah, I love that, man. I love that. Finding the positive in it, regardless of yeah, your team yeah. getting made a show of. Uh, <laughs> 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 I said, I, I can't stand watching Liverpool celebrate either, though, man. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> you uh, can. So, that's it. That's it. Yeah. But, yeah, that's Does that's your brother Colum support sports? Uh, yeah, it was Colin who probably like influenced me like to be a Tottenham fan. Obviously, like he's your older brother, you're you know six years old, and he's eight, and he's wearing a Tottenham jersey, and you want to be like Paul Gascoigne and Gary Lineker, you know. So it was probably like yeah. heavily influenced by the players, but mostly like by your brother who you look up to, you know. So yeah, and is it is it a sports household or no? It's not. My dad's United. Uh, my mum's now 50-50 Spurs United by <laughs> proxy of her sons and then uh, my two younger brothers are United as well my sister yeah. was United when in her tomboy phase but now she just <laughs> <laughs> now she just doesn't watch it anymore <laughs> she was a Cantona fan you know so she used to go around with the collar oh, yeah. the Cantona jersey but I think it was more she just had a crush on Cantona you know yeah. <laughs> who, can blame awesome. who can blame her who can blame her but that's mad as well like the whole thing like backstage all these gathered around watching it on a phone as well like do you know what I mean you always have these images of like backstage being this kind of big anything you want could be there like there'd be a big screen with the match on or something so that little kind of intimate family moment is it's an absolute cracker like I love that yeah yeah, yeah. you'd be surprised at how like 
like obviously we're taking great care of and like we're putting amazing hotels but like the lengths that we have to go to to like to see the things that we want to see or like the little home comforts like and that like just like watching it on the phone like there is some of those backstages they don't have any facilities at all apart from like locker rooms and stuff like that and uh, so yeah that was that was cool and i i was still in my gear like brought me dad back brought my brother and the and his son and we were all just huddled around the little iphone like balanced on like one of the catering tables like, <laughs> like squinting at it you know did it go in was that a goal <laughs> the backstage thing though as well like I um as I get older, I am fascinated by backstage stuff in the wrestling business. And I've been watching Young Rock as well, uh on NBC there, and they, they've done it really they've done it cool in that they have Andre the Giant, Junkyard Dog, uh, Macho Man, and they have like a backstage segments say with Andre and stuff. And my brain has be going in the somersaults and looking at archive uh archive photos of Andre playing cards with Dusty Rhodes and like does does that still happen in those type of there's like certain, there's, there's certainly moments in the locker room where like I'm sitting and I'm keeping myself to myself and like I'll I'll come out of like Finn Balor the wrestler mode and like I'll go into like Fergal from Bray mode and I'll like be looking around at like these lads that are like seven foot tall these like country american lads like with machine guns tattooed on their arms or just like just <laughs> the, the most like maddest lads from the most like insane walks of life that you could ever imagine and like how we are all in this room like together and why and like like how are we all interacting with each other it's just so mind-blowing like you know you'll have like shinsuke nakamura like like you know, this Japanese superstar and he's like just huddled over like this, like a little poet, like he's like writing in a little book, you know, and then like you've got like Braun Strowman like slamming things and like giving out about like the the plane or something that we were on, you know, he couldn't fit in the chair. <laughs> like, you know, and then it's like mental, somebody, is it? Yeah, and then some of these like Indian lads that are like seven foot tall, like they're ducking to come in the in the locker room and all are big jacked up muscle fellas, like you know, just like going sideways into the door. It's just insane. And sometimes then you what am I doing here? Like, why do they even know I'm here? <laughs> you know? <laughs> in, when we spoke to you, you were starting, say, your, um, and in that five years, have you, like, I'm fascinated by The Undertaker. I'm fascinated by the mystique. Of, now, I know the documentary since then, and we've seen it, that who The Undertaker Mark Calloway is. But for, for, for the five years that we haven't spoke to you, the internet was a buzz about possibly Finn, the Demon Prince versus the Undertaker at Mania. Like, would it, did that ever come to discussion? Or it's a two-part question. Did that ever come to discussion? And what what are interactions like with the Undertaker? Say backstage, do you be all reserved and you can't believe who you are, or do you go up and introduce yourself and say how are things? Or first part of the question was like it has been discussed but i feel more from like a, what i've heard more from like a media standpoint where like it's this dream match that people want and like i hear a lot about it but from like media sources like asking me the question is the match going to happen i haven't heard anything like internally and that's not to say that like the office haven't been pitching the idea or anything like that i there might have been whispers like two years ago maybe but 
nothing that was like ever concrete or like oh, maybe, like someone came to me and said, oh, I heard maybe you're going to be fighting the Undertaker. So there's always like a possibility of anything can happen or you could wrestle anyone, but like nothing was ever set and then like got like kind of scratched. You know what I mean? So like I, I had never like been officially informed, oh, it's going to be you and Taker. It was like, you know, it was just mm. mostly hearsay. And second part of the question was like, there are like moments where you go like, oh, that's The Undertaker. But I feel like I've came up like in wrestling like so slow and like ticked all the boxes at like every rung of the ladder that like I've never been in a position where I've been out of my depth or felt like I didn't belong because I'd kind of like proved myself at every step along the way to get there. And uh, so like, you know, when you're meeting these lads, they're not like they are WWE superstars, but you're also a WWE superstar. So you're at their level and like they show respect and you show respect. And it's like, you know, a mutual almost camaraderie. Um, mm. And may- maybe for some people who have like, kind of like snuck in the back door or like had, you know, an easy ride to WWE and like been a transfer athlete or something like that, that might be a different case. But for me, like I've been doing it 20, maybe 20 years before I met the undertaker. So I'd kind of met everyone along the way and, you know, he would have been familiar with my stuff through NXT and, you know, starting with Raw. So it's not like you're getting signed fresh off OTT in Dublin and then, like, you're in the locker room with The Undertaker having to explain who you are. It's like there's there's some sort of, you know, established uh, relationship, even though, like, there hasn't been, like, a a physical meeting. So um, Yeah, that was the fanboy me asking that question. Of course, I... (laughs) Like, are you 100% know that? Yeah. Uh, now, now I, w- I will go back and say, like, I wrestled in England and Ireland for six years before I went to Japan. And, like, I'd watched Japan heavily, like, and studied all their wrestlers before I went there. And then all of a sudden, boom, I'm in Japan. And, like, there was no, like, transition period. And, like, I remember the first day going, like, oh, my God, that's, that's Liger. Like, that's, that's Tanahashi. Like, so I do, there, there are moments, but I feel like the, the, progression of the career from that point was like very gradual and very slow mm. and like i'd been you know kind of gradually introduced to everyone at like a i don't know an acceptable level i guess like you know there was never yeah. like a, there was never like a crazy jump and like oh shit like i'm right on top now you know and i skipped all these levels like and it kind of came up nice and slow and like met everyone along the way and it was grand but does that then extend as well because you're, you're you're nxt champion so in the nxt locker room whatever then so you're obviously a, a leader in it and that kind of thing so guys who are coming through do you have a little bit of a responsibility then to kind of you know guide them on their path or such give them a little bit of advice steer them take that as you said you've been doing it 20 years taking that and kind of saying like look this is how things roll man do this and you're going to be all right uh, i would always offer my advice but only if it's asked for like i never mm. would be someone like to push hey come here you you need to do this better and do that better like you know yeah and yeah. um, well I, f- I feel like one of the weird things for me now is like some of the the newer talent in nxt would like be very shy with me and then like maybe a month or two later they would come to me and they would say like um oh, i'm sorry i've been so standoffish like it's just like i've watched you a lot like my whole career and you know you inspired me a lot and like that coming from someone who you're at the same level with is very different because it's such like a huge age gap because like I'm pushing 40 and these lads are like, you know, early twenties. And I kind of forget the fact that like 
God, like they were probably like 10 years old and I was wrestling, you know, or they were just being born and I was wrestling. So uh, it's uh, that that can be like certainly weird for me and kind of awkward where to the point where I don't want them to be shy. Or I just want them to be lads and like come over and have a chat, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back to our guest, but first we got to take a quick word from our sponsors, Manscaped. Now we already know that Manscaped are the global leaders in men's below the waist grooming. And we already know that they offer the precision engineered tools for your family jewels. We're part of the 2 million men worldwide who are already trusted Manscaped and our town halls have been immaculate for quite some time. But what I'm really here to say today and what I'm really happy with is to work with a company that's doing so much to help support something like the testicular cancer society and to help spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection testicular cancer society and manscaped are committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35 with their we save balls initiative so when you're down there and you're giving yourself your trim using your manscaped products such as the lawnmower 3.0 or crop preserver or crop reviver give yourself a check for any lumps any bumps any swelling or any pain if something seems unusual get a check out. Manscaped recommend checking yourself once a month. So make sure you're doing it, lads. And if anything is sinister, if anything's there, catching it early is really important. Check yourself regularly and make sure that you're not only keeping yourself neat and tidy, but you're keeping yourself safe too. Head on over to manscaped.com to learn more. And remember, when you use the code WTSPOD at checkout, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Now, Back to our guest. How has it been like in the, during the pandemic, you know, with no crowds? So, I know the pandemic's terrible, right? Across the world, absolute terrible. From, like, a personal standpoint, as a professional wrestler, like, we went from wrestling, like, 170 matches a year, like, in 170 different cities. So that's, whatever, 250 days a year on the road to doing everything in Orlando. So I've been in my house nonstop now for over a year, you know, which I spend about 40 days a year in my house normally. Yeah. So, uh, Jesus. so from that standpoint, like the day to day has become a lot easier, but the, the wrestling at the beginning, like going from like crowds to, oh my God, there's no crowds was like, like a huge adjustment. I'm like credit to WWE for even having the balls to like say, we're just going to do it with no crowd. You know, like, cause yeah, yeah. not even like people wouldn't even think outside the box to think, oh, well, we need a crowd to, to have the show. And uh, credit to them, they've done it. And it was a learning experience at the beginning. Like the way we wrestle, we kind of wrestle at a cadence or a tempo to like engage an audible response from the crowd. And then without the crowd there, you realize that the way you're wrestling is stupid and it doesn't make any sense, you know, because it's like, because without that reaction, like, why did it, the hell did you do that? So you had to like kind of evolve the way you, you wrestled and, I really feel like that was something that kind of forced me into like wrestling, not like forced, but, you know, made me kind of think a little bit differently about wrestling this year and kind of changed my style a little bit to go back to like a more map based, like kind of catch mm. catch can style, which isn't kind of based around the holy shits or the, oh my gods and the, you know, the big bumps. And uh, I, f- I feel like it's worked for me and it's kind of, it's a good reset for the business. I feel like when fans finally do come back, uh, like, you know, a little hip toss place is going to go nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, yeah. And then, like, we gradually brought in, like, a couple fans 
Mm. And like the difference between having zero and like having 10 is like, you might as well have a million if you have 10. Like <laughs> it's honestly, it's that, it's that really? much different. Yeah, those yeah. 10 people make all the difference, really. And uh, like I've wrestled in front of like 15 and 16 people, like in shows and killed air and <laughs> Ross Common yeah. and all this, right? And uh, like it kind of brought me back to that, but also like that instant. Uh, gratification of that like audible response of oh I'm doing something good or I'm doing something bad because they like if 10 people go oh, boo or yeah you know as opposed to nothing like just a pin drop and you can hear the cameraman's jeans like going <laughs> like as he turns the camera you know <laughs> so uh, so yeah so uh, but we're gradually starting to open back up and uh, I think everyone's going to learn from it like the pandemic and I feel like it's maybe going to reduce the schedule in the long term, you know? Mm. Like really? I feel like I, yeah. Uh, you know. Investors have been crying out for that for years, haven't they? Yeah. I, I feel like it, it's just been a, a, an example of how like the business be different because people like get stuck in the mindset, like in everything of like, it's, this is the way we do it and that's it. And sorry, you can't change it. And I feel like uh, this has kind of got everyone thinking differently, like, all the media we do now is on Zoom. Like I used to have to fly to India to to do media this morning. I done it on Zoom, like from the mm. kitchen, you know. So, uh, so there's definitely going to open up different ways of doing things, and I feel like maybe a lot of the house shows might the schedule might be reduced and just a more emphasis on, on TV because really the only matches we're doing now are on TV, whereas before the majority of the matches were non-televised it was for like um for for non-televised events and it was like a quarter of the the shows were actually on tv so who knows who knows the amount of voyas that are on you is crazy isn't it from a tv point of view like you did that india uh, superstar spectacle like india market must be huge yeah uh, i don't know the numbers that came back but there was talk like that like 12 million people were supposed to have been tuned in to watch that that day like, yeah like insane numbers now, now like it's mad because in america they can get the tv ratings the next day mm. but something something to do with india and the way the tv system and like the regions are set up like the different counties and all uh, it takes them like three weeks to gather all the information and actually get like the actual number of people that watched but yeah they were they were projecting some astronomical number i don't know if it, it if it reached the, the, you know, the, what they'd hoped, but that was, that was the number they were projecting. It's, it's, it's mad. Like, cause e even in kind of this day and age where like, you know, kids are growing up with like their Netflixes and their Amazon primes and all that. And I'm conscious I'm sounding like the oldest man in the world. And I'm saying that, but like the power, of, the, the power, <laughs> the, of, like, old fart. <laughs> the power of that kind of live TV or that live spectacle, like, wrestling or like you know sports in the Champions League semi-final or whatever that's still the massive draw and kind of we were saying earlier uh, like here in Ireland Virgin Media have now taken up WWE and they're going to be showing it and how that's going to be important like Saturday Sunday mornings kids getting up out of bed and they're like that's what we were doing when we were that age we'd go downstairs Sky 1 and we'd stick it on and it was superstars or whatever and, and that's what got us into wrestling and now that's available again. That's there again. And that's massive for, for the business, but also for kids being able to see this. Like, Yeah, I think it, it's especially great for getting like new eyes, right? Because mm. every, everything's there and we can get everything we want like on, on all these streaming services. But it's, you have to go and find it. 
to get like new eyes, it's like you need to be just switching channel and all of a sudden it's there. And like Ultimate Warrior is there. For me, it was Ultimate Warrior and Shawn Michaels are like, you know, and now for kids, hopefully it'll be like Seamus and Becky or whatever. Yeah. So like, so like kind of, it's there, the network's there, that's great. And everyone can get it if they're already a fan, but it's kind of like drawing new fans that that's kind of where, where we have to be at. And that, I think that's the importance of being like on, on actual television as opposed to a streaming service, you know, because mm-hmm. how many things are on, on Netflix? Like there's a million things on Netflix, but yeah. like you maybe know two things, right? Because you couldn't be arsed going through and flicking through them all. Man, Netflix know? is like, do you remember you back in the wrecked. day? Do you remember back <laughs> in the day when you'd go into like ExtraVision to get a video out for the weekend or something? <laughs> And you spend like an hour in there and eventually be like, yeah. oh, I've seen everything. I don't want to. That's yeah. Netflix now. Like, you just scroll through it for <laughs> know, hours. Yeah. And you're like, I'm just going to go to bed. I'm just going to go to bed. Like, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned Shawn Michaels there. And like, yeah. growing up, you're watching Shawn Michaels. And now, as part of NXT, you're working with him kind of day in, day out. What's that like? Uh, yes. Yeah, like, I guess maybe in the first moment of meeting Shawn Michaels, it was a little bit surreal, like this is mm. Shawn Michaels. But that was like at a, one of my first NXT shows as the Demon, like back before I was on Raw or SmackDown. So yeah. like I was still new in WWE and he came backstage and you know he made a point to come find me and introduce himself. And like in that moment, I was like, holy shit, that's Shawn Michaels. Like that's the chap I like idolized as a kid. Now like we have great working relationship where like we talk we discuss i argue like he argues with me and uh, like it's almost like we built like a mutual respect like over you know the last couple of years so uh that's very cool but just a couple of weeks ago we were training working on something and he said hey Finn, just grab me in a headlock and like i grabbed him in a headlock and even in that moment like that was the first time i had him in anything because we'd only talk and we'd discuss and that was the first time I actually had him in something, you know? And, like, he pushed me against the ropes. And I was like, fuck, that's Shawn Michaels pushing me against the ropes, you know? <laughs> like, so there is still, like, moments, but it's not necessarily in, uh, like, conversations. Like, that, that was a, a rare moment that I've had mm. that was like, ah, oh, this is cool, you know? Yeah. yeah. And Shawn was your favorite growing up, was it, Finn? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was, like, first was Ultimate Warrior. And then, like, when, as soon as Shawn Michaels came on, it was all Shawn. I watched um I watched Brett v. Sean the other day, WrestleMania 12. It's just a classic. Yeah. It's, it's mad because I, I watch Brett now and I love his work. When I was a kid, couldn't stand him. It's, <laughs> and it's crazy because like now I, I appreciate it from a wrestler's perspective. But as a fan, I was like, he's just not as cool as Sean. Like, why do people like him? You know? And it was the same with Hulk Hogan. Like, I didn't like... Hulk Hogan, I like the Ultimate Warrior because I like the face paint and the way he shook the ropes, you know? So it's like, it's mad the thing that like people attached to. Like my, my nephew is a huge wrestling fan. He's five years old. He loves Elias. And I think it's just because <laughs> he has a guitar. I think it's just because he has a guitar. And he says, yeah, I walk with Elias. Like, but it's, like, I love Elias. Me and him are great friends. But it's just so strange of all the people he's just chosen this bad guy. Like, you know? Like yeah, why is he picking you? <laughs> well, he loves me as well, but I'm his uncle, you know, so. <laughs> That's gas that he picked the doesn't. He, yeah, so he, doesn't like, he doesn't like watching me getting beat up. So he hides behind yeah. the sofa when I'm getting killed. So that's he's, oh, he's behind the sofa a lot. <laughs> deadly. I'd say he has all your figures as well, does he? He does, yeah, yeah. Ah, deadly, deadly. Man, deadly. Yeah. Come um, here, um, you know um, Becky Lynch's room? 
Yeah. And I've, I've, um, I've heard in uh, Becky Lynch interviews that she credits you for training her. What was it like um, seeing her going on that run, that superstar, superstardom well, run? Well, first of all, she gives me way too much credit because she walked in the gym that me and Paul Tracy had and she pretty much trained herself. Like we were there and we had a ring and we had mats and like we would run drills and stuff like that. But really like the people come in and they can either do it or they can't. And you kind of just give them the ring or tell them, ah, just try it again. But like, you know, they're never, they're not going to come back. And Becky was one of those people that the day she came in, like you knew, ah, she has it. She's going to be a superstar. And I remember telling people like of everyone in this school that we have and there was about 40 lads and two girls i said she's the one that's going to be on wwe no one no else. way yeah I, I remember saying that and like i didn't even include myself because i thought like ah, it just wasn't even like a, like a not necessarily a, an achievable dream i thought mm. at the time you know like i i wanted to be a wrestler and i wanted to wrestle as many places as i could and get as good as i could but for me being in bray in a wrestling school seemed like too much of a jump or a like you know a stretch to be, say i'm going to be in wwe you know at, the, at that point in my life like i'm 22 23 years old so but i remember saying to people she's the one that's gonna that's gonna be on wwe for sure and you know she kind of meandered through her like early career with do i want to do this do i not and you know she took a little bit of time off and then you know when she came back boom she pretty much nailed it straight to the top and uh Hopefully she'll be back soon. I know she she just had a just had a child. Yeah, uh, she's she's very very happy, and I'll, hopefully she'll be back soon. Are you being modest, not taking uh, her plaudits um, for for acknowledging you as our coach? It, it could it could be interpreted it's as an Irish modesty. thing. No, it could be interpreted as modesty, yeah. but honestly, I really believe that. And I've had arguments with people about like wrestling training, and like I don't think you can teach people wrestling. And they've kind of asked me, would I be interested in being a coach after I'm done wrestling? And I told them, like, you don't want me coaching people because one day I'm going to tell them everything's shit. The next day I'm going to tell them everything's great. The, the, the next day I'm going to tell them to hit them with the right hand. The next day I'm going to tell them to hit them with the left hand because I don't know what's good. I don't know what's bad. And both of the things are good and both of them are crap. And it doesn't really matter. Do whatever you want some people will like it some people will hate it and you just gotta try stuff and there's no like it's not like the olympics where you train and you become the best and you win it's mm -hmm. not like that it's there's too many like uh like factors that you can't put your finger on that you can't learn that you can't train that just like happen so just just keep doing it just whatever you're doing just keep doing it over and over again until it works it's mad that and you're saying need, that. And you, and you don't need me to, to teach you that, you know? It's, so, mm. like, it's... Or, or anyone to teach. You just have to just keep doing it until you figure it out yourself. It's, it's mad that you're saying that, because I, I can't remember when it was... It was reason enough, anyway, that I was, uh, was watching something on YouTube, and a video came up, and it was Stone Cold Steve Austin talking about how the, the stunner, the Stone Cold stunner came to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he said it was Michael Hayes gave him the idea. He said, and he just tried it, and he knew the first time he tried it, that's it. This is this is me finisher now. That's it. I'm not yeah. going back to anything else. Like, so yeah. when you're talking about that, it's just those kind of things of you just feel it in an instant. So something like the Stone Cold Stunner coming 
from absolutely nowhere like that is, is a great example of it. Like, But the other reason I'm bringing that up is I feel as though every wrestler has a Michael PSA story. I've a thousand of them, but they all start and end with the two of us arguing. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll leave leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) What was the your time like um, on Raw and SmackDown, Fergal? Because when you went back to NXT, a lot of wrestling fans were up in arms that you were going back to NXT so was it a case that you just didn't like it or so I had kind of burnt myself out on Raw and Smackdown and I felt like I'm doing like the same stuff over and over again I'm wrestling the same lads like doing the same house shows not really satisfied with like the amount of time we're given on TV not because of WWE but because of TV companies with like advertising deals and all this and just I just wasn't enjoying it anymore and I was kind of becoming like just pissed off when I was at work and I was just and I went to them and said I need a little bit of time off and wasn't sure how much I needed and they kind of countered with well can we kind of half that time off and you know we could really use you in NXT you know we're we're trying to put it on live TV and we could use your help there so that was kind of how the whole thing like really happened. Like there was no, I know there was a lot of things said, oh, I was demoted or he asked to go back. It was, it was just happenstance of me being tired and worn out of doing the same shit for two years and not really feeling, I don't want to say progress, but like satisfied. Like, you know, I was booked great. I was on every Raw, every SmackDown, every pay-per-view, like in like main event matches. Like people were saying, like he had Finn. Ah, oh, they they ruined Finn, or they didn't book him. Like they booked me great. I was in everything. I was all over every show. Like there was, can't complain about that. I was I was just I was just tired, and I just needed a break and like a change of scenery. So took the break, a little bit of time off, started back with NXT, and just like had a fire lit under me. Just felt like ah, oh, this this is where I want to be. And, like I'm sure I want to go back to Raw and SmackDown eventually, but. Right now, there's something about NXT and it's working so closely with Sean and Hunter, who like I've built a very good relationship with. That like I feel like a personal attachment to it, where like I not that I don't feel that at Raw or SmackDown, but you just feel like a cog in the wheel there, you know. Mm. Where like I really feel like I'm a part of something in NXT, and uh, like it's easier for me to kind of be myself when I'm there in the locker room and then that then translates into like what you do in the ring, you know? So f- for me, it was a no brainer. Like when they said, would you be interested in going to NXT? And I kind of like looked at them for a second and oh, well, what do you mean? He says, well, we're going on live TV and we could really use your help. So yeah, let's do it. Deadly. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And there was no, like, there was no plan. They thought like, yeah, let's, we'll go there for three months. We'll kind of reboot, you know, Finn and, you know, we'll bring you back up and then, you know, we'll get you back exactly where you left off. And then three months came and went and then six months came and went and there was whispers of, oh, you're going to be on this show and, you know, someone would get hurt and all the cards would fall. And there's a couple of times where I was going to go back on Raw or then we just pulled the rug at the last minute and, then I became NXT champion and I've been here ever since. So, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And now, an NXT takeover this week, WrestleMania week. 
and a yeah. big, big takeover event as well. So, how how have the because what the the kind of as we're saying like the house shows whenever have taken a stop the TV shows then kind of no fans as we're saying kind of ten fans but the 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 pay per views the takeovers of the world and that kind of thing how have they been in in this kind of environment? Uh, it's really hard to distinguish any show from another that like you know in the past you're aware you're on a takeover because there's 15,000 people there and it's mm. in a different city where all NXT was recorded in, in Florida at full sale. So like there was like there was different energy. There was more people. There was, you know, you're aware that this was the big one. Now it's, you know, it's the same step, the same amount of people, same cameras, same building, same drive, 10 minutes to work. So it's like, you know, so it's, uh, you know, you're not flying halfway across the country to go and wrestle someone. You know, you're just driving 10 minutes down the road. So uh, like, it's, it's hard to like, for me, especially to distinguish between what show is which, but I just take every show the same that like, it's, if it's, you know, if it's normal NXT or if it's NXT TV or if it's takeover, like I'm going to put all of my heart and soul into it. So, I don't treat any match any different. Uh, yeah. I, know, I know some people might, but that's kind of always the way I've been. Deadly. That's it, man. There's so much good talent there as well that have come up, isn't there, um, at the moment? Um, well, I remember when I, I heard that you were going back to NXT, and I was thinking, holy shit, this is, this is going to be great. Like, There's matches there with Adam Cole, there's matches with Kyle O'Reilly, Karrion mm-hmm. um, Cross. Just... That, the, which is your one of your matches? Uh, Grimes, is it? Cam- Cameron, Cameron Grimes, Grimes, yeah, yeah. Like, he is some talent, like, he's fantastic, man. Fantastic. Yeah. Actually, he was he was one of the matches that I had with no crowd, with zero yeah. people, just the cameraman. And like, I remember thinking, like, we got to do this like a little bit differently, like, we got to really lay it in, like, you can't let any air between anything because, like you got to hear it basically, you know? So like, yeah. we like knocked the shit out of each other that day. But he, yeah, was, yeah. he, yeah, but he is great, man. He can talk. He's a big fella. He's athletic, like smart, smart dude. Like he's got a big, big future ahead of him. Brilliant. But, yeah. But I, I think an interesting point about like, obviously this is a result of the pandemic as well, but coming back to NXT, all these like great wrestlers that I'd never wrestled before, right? Like Gargano, Champa. Like, Cole had had one match on the Indies with a long time ago. Like, uh, Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly, like, Damian Priest, Matt Riddle, all these guys that I had matches with. First time I ever locked up with them was, like, at a takeover or on live TV. Like, there was no, like, house shows. Like, oh, I'm going to have a couple of matches with him, learn how he moves, learn how he, like, you know, his footwork and his speed and his timing. Like, it was all, like, trial by fire in the squad. Like, lock up and, like oh, this is it. Like, we got to do it. Like, we got to nail it, like, one time, you know? So, uh, it was... That's mental. Yeah, like, it was a really, like, really big, like, professional challenge to be able to, like, like, learn these guys on the fly on live TV, you know? So, uh, Mm. that, that, that's been a huge challenge and something that I feel has, like, helped me grow, like, like, infinitely over the last year Jesus, every day is a school day even still coming up yeah, to you know, you know cause, yeah because like you know on Raw or Smackdown we'd have like at least you're going to wrestle them three times you're going to wrestle them Friday, Saturday and Sunday before you wrestle them on Raw you know so you're going to work out all the kinks and you're going to figure out what he does well and what he does bad and how he moves and his timing when he hits the ropes 
And by Monday, hopefully, you'll have some idea or, you know, semblance of uh, understanding with him. But at NXT, it's been like, all right, this is TakeOver. Go and wrestle Johnny Gargano. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Go, go and wrestle Matt Riddle. Go and wrestle, wrestle Damian Priest. You know, so it was like every every match was like the first time. Bam, ding, ding, lock up. That's the first time we touched. So it's been pretty cool that way. Like one of the best live uh, matches I ever saw was um, Matt Riddle against Kyle O'Reilly in OTT, mm-hmm. and I was it was in the Tivoli, and obviously the Spectral wheelchair access. So I'm on front yeah. row, and yeah. I was just like, "What the fuck is happening here? These two are ridiculous." Yeah. It was just mental, but even in a smaller ring. But you showed up, since we spoke to you, you showed up at OTT, and it was absolutely phenomenal. What was it like for you? Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps now even thinking about that <laughs> night. So there was something that, like, I was, I'd been hurt uh, with the shoulder, giving back the title, and we were filming something in Ireland, like a, a comeback like documentary or something like that. And the OTT show was on, and I got in touch with Joe, and I said, look, WWE cameras are here and they're like they're willing to like let me come out and do something on the show if 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 you're up for it and like it just was unbelievable. I remember being in the locker room and like I didn't smarten anybody up. Like the one person I knew was Paul Tracy and and then the WWE crew, but like mm. none of the OTT wrestlers knew that I was a part of the show. Like Until just, you went on stage. Yeah, because they thought I was just there doing backstage stuff and doing interviews for the documentary that we were making for WWE. So the anthem's playing, and I'm in the ba- and I'm in the back uh, locker room, and I think I'm with Maxer and Paddy Morrow, and like the anthem plays, and then my music hits, and they go, "Huh? What, what's, what's, what's your music hitting for?" And I just like, put on my suit jacket, and so I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Deadly. Yeah, but that was that was a, that was a great night, man. I the what's honestly, the crack chance got going? <laughs> <laughs> honestly, that that crowd in Dublin is like unbelievable. I would give anything to be able to perform in, in front of that crowd. You know, hopefully, like, so. haven't haven't seen Ireland through like so many stages of wrestling, and then mm. like not being able to perform in front of that crowd like kills me. But then at the same time being able to just go out and just talk to them was so cool, you know, but like, and, but it's even grown since then OTT and it's bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm sure like once the pandemic's over, it's going to be even bigger. So mm-hmm. like, hopefully like fingers crossed, I'll get, get the, get the chance to go back. I occasionally watch that YouTube on YouTube and I'm like, if I want to be put in a good mood, I occasionally still watch that. Gives me, <laughs> gives me a great lift. Yeah. You know, I would love if my job as a wrestler could be, to not be, not necessarily affiliated with any company, but just be the unannounced wrestler that shows up and is like a good ambassador for wrestling and just shows up and does a match like for everyone, you know? Deadly. And like, and just surprises everyone. I think that would be like the coolest thing. Gets, yeah. gets, the, gets the pop of the night yeah, every like, night. Yeah. Blows the yeah. roof off the yeah. place. But like, I don't, I don't need to be on WrestleMania. I don't need to be on Raw or anything. Just I want to show up at like things like the Tivoli or, you know, the garage yeah. in Glasgow or, you know, somewhere in London, a nightclub in London and just show up and really like make a thousand people's night. You know, that's that's what I want to do. Love it, man. Deadly. Love it, love it. Um, fair, <clears throat> we're, we're, we're running out of time with you, man. So 
as as we said, it's it's WrestleMania week. We've got NXT stand and deliver. You're defending your belt against Karrion Cross. Um, it's always a massive week in the calendar, pandemic or not. It's always when it comes to wrestling, it's it's one of the big ones. We'll, we'll talk to you a little bit about kind of just WrestleManias and kind of like WrestleMania history in a second. But just with stand and deliver day, and what's kind of I'm just curious because you're saying there about the first time you get into the ring is the first time you lock up is the first time you've got to get in with some of these guys and all that. Does it also impact in say the the build up and how how you prepare for it? Like because you haven't you haven't had the same ways to do things, say, with carrying cross as traditionally a might, for example. Yeah, of course. Like it, everything's been changed because of the pandemic. And mm. another thing, like people aren't taking into consideration. I, I know like wrestling gets critiqued so much by like the internet and by like all these, whatever wrestling journalists or whatever. And, it's very easy for you to like sit back and say like, why did they have that on the show? Or why didn't they do that? And they're not taking into the fact that like we're tested three times a week for COVID. And Mm. if one person tests positive and he was in contact with a chap yesterday, that's both of them now. And if he's been in touch with 10 people yesterday or was in a car with someone the day before, there's all these close contact rules. So, so much of like the TV of what was like written gets scrapped and they got to rewrite it. And they're just trying to really make like chicken soup out of, you know, chicken shit really. You know, so it's, uh, it's it, like, they've done like a, a great job in like managing like the schedules and like managing to keep uh, all the storylines going. So, but I think the, the important thing isn't the build, it's the match. And most matches are built by just the, I feel like this match didn't really need a build, didn't really mm. need, uh, like, you know, us to be fighting too much. It needed, like, one or two promos, and the spectacle will sell the match. Like, there's other matches that you have to kind of build the heat, or, like, you know, you have to draw the story out. But I feel this one, the story was there. Like, he lost the title because of an injury. I'm the mm. champ. He's a big badass killer. He wants to kill me. It's pretty obvious, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> love it, man. Love it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that that'll be Thursday night on NXT Stand and Deliver Day, and a two-parter yeah. Wednesday night and Thursday night, and that's the main event Thursday. So, yeah, BT Sports back home. Yes, love it. Love it. BT, yeah. So, Dan, what's your favorite um, WrestleMania moment? Because I was just watching, as I said, Shawn Michaels against Bret Hart. But as a kid, like when you were watching it, what? what Oh. Do you have a favorite one, or or what's your favorite match? Say to go. What's your go-to match if you're feeling all nostalgic? Probably that Iron Man match, Brett versus Sean. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Razor versus Sean ladder match. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know they won a SummerSlam as well, but the the first one was on was on WrestleMania. So, <laughs> yeah. um, that what else? Pretty sure. I'm sure there was a couple of Hardy Boys moments in there. Maybe like <laughs> yeah. WrestleMania 2000 or something. Was the Hardy Boys table match against yeah. the Dudley's uh, Boys? Maybe. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think they actually posted there was like the, yesterday or the day before yesterday it was like the 20th anniversary of the first TLC match. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 20th anniversary. That, Jesus. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Sick. That's like holy shit. Like. Um, it's, it's, it was 20 years to the, 21 years to the day Rock and Austin at 17 yeah 21 years I'm going to say about that one yeah that was that was 
the Rock and Austin WrestleManias, and maybe it's just because that's when I was at that age where like was living and breeding it. Like, but the Rock and Austin WrestleManias to me were just unreal. Like, yeah, yeah. I think I think everybody has that when they're in the like the height of it. They have that one memory, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big time. Do you have um, any like what was it like being involved in WrestleMania then as a yeah, wrestler. It honestly just became another show, and I remember like the last one, like being like really let down by how it went, and like coming back on like that was it. Like uh, I just <laughs> did, yeah, but I, I was at that point like where I was kind of getting like burned Tired. out and uh, mm, and just yeah. like fed up and all not overworked, but just the travel and everything was just running into the same. And like you've another show the next day. It's WrestleMania. You just have to drive and go to another show the next day anyway it's not like the end of the season like Champions League and you got two months <laughs> off like you know it's like well, better get changed and do me washing because I got another match tomorrow you know so it just became like an endless cycle of just like the same stuff but then um, yeah. obviously like the build up to Mania is huge like the media obligations like you can tell it's a bigger show than, than normal but yeah. when you get there when you get there and like once you put your gear on and like you get in the zone, it's just like any other match. Mm. Are they the biggest crowds you've wrestled in front of? Uh, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some yeah. big crowds in Japan as well at the Tokyo Dome. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think 90,000 people maybe the last couple manias. Yeah, geez, that's yeah. mental, isn't it? Yeah. Am, am I right in thinking WrestleMania is where you debuted the the stuff and support of LGBTQ as well, yes. your, your pride yeah. gear? Yes. That was unreal, man. The reaction to that. that was phenomenal, yeah. 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 So that was like, uh, we'd kind of been toying with the idea of doing the demon and there was a lot of, a lot of pressure on doing the demon for like WrestleMania. Mm. Oh, you have to do it. Like, you know, it's a big spectacle. It was a big entrance. And that was like my first Mania. And I'd kind of been thinking about going this way for a while and was like waiting for the time. And, and uh I just pitched it to them like about three weeks beforehand and they, they loved it. They were like, yeah, let's do it. And like, I didn't pitch it to like the writers or the creative team. Like mm. I just went like straight to the top. I went to hundred Stephanie. Stephanie's like uh, really involved in like community outreach. outreach. Yeah. So like that's would be something that she would like, like it would fall heavily under her. And like they got behind it straight away. Cause I'd been pushing just for the t-shirt for maybe six months to mm. like to meet to this department, that department, this department, to everyone going, ah, oh, no, yeah, maybe we'll do it. We'll do it. And I brought the idea to 173 weeks before Mania. The t- like the t-shirt was made the next day and like, boom, right. like we had the entrance. We had like a, a local group of, from an LGBTQ uh, community in New Orleans, like come out on the stage with me and it was just unbelievable. Yeah, amazing. amazing. Yeah. The gear was and, amazing. Yeah. And really like it meant, so much more than like the demon could ever mean, you know, mm. like the yeah. demons, like, it, it's cool. And I can do it like for in another 10 years. But like in that moment, like I feel like it was the, the perfect time to use that platform for good, to spread a good message. Like when, you know, there's a, there's so much negativity in the world, you know, and like to, mm. to just put out like a positive message on that platform, I think was much greater than any demon entrance could have been. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely, like you were saying there, the amount of eyes that were on that product on that given evening, and you're out one of the first ever, and you're promoting LGBTQ. That's just believe it or not. Believe it or not, it was the first match of the night, and I was first out. 
So it was like literally, boom, WrestleMania yeah. starts and it was straight out and everyone's like, what the hell is that? Oh, that's fucking cool, you know? I seen yeah. an interview, uh, Fergal, with um, a re- an indie wrestler, uh, a gay guy, and he was asked about it and I think he was crying about it and how thankful he was to you. The two of you had an exchange on Twitter about it as well, but a couple of months later he was interviewed about it and he was asked, do you, do you know who I'm talking about? I, I know who you're talking name. about. Uh, his name escapes me right now, but I know who you're yeah. talking about. But yeah. he was quite emotional that you did something for it, that yeah. cause. And there's the effect you had there. there yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I knew it was the right thing to do and I knew like it was a good cause. I didn't realize like to the extent how it affected people personally, like and and like the amount of people that reached out was like it was really like heartwarming and really like solidified the fact that like that was definitely the right thing to do. And like hopefully I get the opportunity to like do something equally as uh, you know effective for people. Mm. You know, Brilliant. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I think I think it was amazing. I mean, like people talk about kind of. WrestleMania moments or whatever, not to be all cliche about it, but that definitely goes down as one. Um, and it's a nice note as well to, to end on. You've been uh, you've been unreal for giving us this milk time. Sake, it's gone again. Yeah, I know. It's it's always the way, isn't it? I was going to ask you how. I was going to ask you how was my favorite rapper, Action Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> what a man! Yeah, he's losing a lot of weight, man. Yeah, he's doing yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's training hard. He's motivated, and uh, yeah, he's doing good things. He's designed a couple of your t-shirts, Peak, has he? He, he yeah, we done a we done a t-shirt together for Peak. Oh, uh, we hung out a few times. He's a big wrestling fan. I went to one of his shows up in New York. Uh, we hung out afterwards. It was a good time. Uh, what a man! <laughs> yeah. Also, Michael Conlon, you were a flag bearer for his for his boxing match. Yeah, Phenomenal. man, that was that was unbelievable. So, believe it or not, I was at the Special Olympics for WWE in like uh, Abu Dhabi. Mm. And I flew from Abu Dhabi to New York for St. Patrick's Day. And then the next morning, like, w- went up just to a taxi up to MSG, met Mick, and, like, was the flag burst. That was, like, that was unbelievable. You look so happy in the ring. You know? Oh, man. I was having the <laughs> time of so my life. Happy. And, like, I had, a, I had a fight with MSG. Not, like, a fight, but I was, like, I can't just carry the flag. Like, they had the flag, and I was just supposed to carry it. I said, like, no, get me a pole. Like, I want the, the Irish flag has to be on a pole. And they're like, well, we don't have a pole. I said, well, go to the janitor and get a, a brush. <laughs> like, get something that I need to stick this flag on. Because, like, there's loads of people out there. And if I just walk, nobody's going to see where we are in the crowd, you know? So, like, I needed the flag to be up high. So we went and we got it. Like, we broke a brush. And, like, I got what black tape and I taped it up, whatever color, and like, then taped the, the, the flag onto it. So it was amazing, like, we just, man. We just amazing. We just Jimmy rigged the flagpole. And like, <laughs> when you see it in the photos, like, it makes the photos because it's up in the air. You know, the flag's over Mick and like it's waving in the air. If it was just around me, it would look stupid, you know? You, no, what makes the photo is your smile. And like, <laughs> happy as a pig and shy. Yeah. It was amazing. So but happy. I was so focused. I was like, this is my country's flag and it's mixed moment don't fuck this up you know so i'm like and and it's not a proper flag so like when i'm waving it it's wrapping around the brush you know <laughs> so like i'm having to like 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 move maneuver the flag pole like what i'm doing at the same time <laughs> so I was, I was concentrating more than smiling deadly come here the next That's time we're home we'll have to meet you on bracey from for a walk yeah well if we're allowed is that too yeah. far for you 
Yeah. Uh, no, well, it's, it's going to be lifted soon, so maybe. Oh, yeah. 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 Has, have, have you got Veronica back to Bray? Have you brought her down to Casoni's yet? She's been to Bray twice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't like the cold. <laughs> <laughs> and we went in September. It wasn't even that cold. <laughs> Jesus. Well, <laughs> come here. I brought her. Uh, I brought her for Christmas, and we went to the local pub, Duffs down the road, for Christmas Eve, and we were rubber, and we got thrown out of Duffs at like half twelve at night. The last two people in there, and a couple of my mates. And then the next morning, my little brother rings me. He goes, "Come here, do you want to go for a swim down the beach Christmas Day?" And like I was still kind of maybe hungover slash drunk, and like kind of thought, like yeah, sure I'll do it, you know. And I said it to her, and she thought I was joking, so she said, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure." So then the car pulls up, we jump in the car, and I've got like swimming togs, and she's in her shorts and thing. This is Christmas Day, and like we're driving to the beach, and she, goes, you know, are we really getting in the water? I said, yeah, we're really getting in the water. <laughs> <laughs> So we run into the water and like she gets to about this much in, like, you know, like up just above our waist and she freezes like, like in every sense of the word. <laughs> she just runs straight back out. Now I've done about like six strokes and I said, right, that's enough for me. I'm gone. Well, man, it was some crack. Some crack. Deadly. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Christmas Day, you get into the water down there, man. That's bravery anyway. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. 24 documentary was brilliant. And it had just in that pool, didn't it? Uh, yeah, we were in the Ardmore. There's the, the pub up two, two, two doors up. All right. That's Were you happy with the 24, yeah? Uh, I didn't watch it back. I can't watch myself on the telly. I remember you told me that before, yeah. I cringe and I cringe. And I see like, uh, <laughs> I see like GIFs or like, you know, I'll be scrolling through Twitter and I'll see like little things and I'll go like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I'm weird. You've a Jesus 10 pack. Be proud of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I have a one pack. <laughs> of a keg. So I mean <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for your time. You're an absolute gentleman. It's been a, it's been a pleasure, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, lads, honestly, I haven't I haven't been home in, in sixteen, seventeen months since that swim in the sea and uh, I miss home so much and you've brought a little bit of Ireland to the house today, so I'm so happy to talk yes. to you. Ah, delighted we could do that for you, man. Deloitte yeah. we could do that. But uh, yeah. Best I feel like start NXT. going into a rendition of Ole Ole Ole. <laughs> <laughs> Get a What's the Crack chant going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, best look for NXT, Stand and Deliver, uh, Finn, and yeah, hopefully keep that belt a bit longer. And we'll yeah, be watching. Right. Hopefully it won't be five years till we talk again. An absolute pleasure catching up with Finn, Fergal, the Prince, yet again. As always. I mean, I, it's mad, like it's, we didn't say it in the intro because, you know, we're just excited and all that, but like WrestleMania week, NXT TakeOver week, and we're getting to talk to the, know, the, yeah. the, the, the main event of NXT TakeOver and a man who is at, at the, the tip top, he's the NXT champion, like he's, you know what I mean? It's he's not an 8-pack as, as well. He, he, yeah, it's nearly a 10-pack. <laughs> and he turns 40 this year. Like, come on, Finn. He's like that uh, Anthony Finn lad, isn't he? Who? Do you remember the, the Quinn uh, health insurances? <laughs> or not the health insurance, the, the, Quinn, the Quinn health and supplements. Tony Quinn. And they have him out. Uh, they have a, a life-size picture of him outside. He's out 90 and he's ripped to bits. Do you ever see this? 
I have no idea what you're talking about, man. Right. <laughs> I see you getting giggly there. Yeah, so if he's giggling, uh, I must be wrong. I, I, must know, be- I, I, I thought you were either going to reference Fergal Quinn or Sean Quinn. And I was like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Um, Actually, just delete I, that part now. Delete that part now, please. Uh, but yeah, I mean, NXT champion. And uh, check out NXT TakeOver this Wednesday and Thursday, 7th and 8th of April, and it's WrestleMania weekend, lads. So, yeah, unbelievable stuff. WWE Network and all that kind of thing. I'm very happy with that chat. And BT Sports. Yeah, yeah. And and Virgin now have, in Ireland, WWE. Raw SmackDown. It's crazy, Yeah, it? mad. Um, but... I'm wrecked. Three podcasts this week, man. I am yeah. only fifth for me bed and uh, for a little break now. Um, fifth possibly, for the lab. Possibly an Irish coffee, as you referenced at the start. But, uh, <laughs> Are you working tomorrow, Daniel? Uh, I, I, I work, every day is a working day for me, Graham. No such thing as a day off. Same with me. Yeah. <laughs> Leave that there. Uh, big thanks again to, to Brian and the guys in uh, Inner City Health and Homeless for helping with this one and uh, delighted that we could do something with them yet again and um, lads if you want to check out all our previous episodes including the original Finn Ballard episode I think it's episode 27 um, or chapter 27 as we were calling them back then when we were podcast hipsters now we're just <laughs> we're just old men of podcasting uh, let's call them chapters because they're like books yeah, because it's what's the story, and stories have chapters. My we are dumb. God, we were full of our own shit back then. We still are, how, just in a different way. How can they listen to the They can podcast. go to WTSpod.com first and foremost, and after that then, if they're on a mobile device which has applications that allows them to get audio sensational presentations such as this, they can go to Spotify or Stitcher or Podbean or Podcast Addict, Podcast Republic, Apple Podcasts, all those wonderful apps that are free to download and allow you to listen to people like us. Just pop WTS Pod into one of them and you will find us. Until next time. That was a very pregnant pause, man. <laughs> That's a pregnant pause. Just an elongated pause. Like, it was just, just <gasps> yeah. We're tired, man. Three in a row. We're not right. able for it. We don't, we don't have the stamina anymore. We don't have the stamina anymore. Anyway, big thanks, Fergal Devitt. Uh, once again, a legend and really appreciate his time. Nero, until the next time we do this, which hopefully will not be three in a row. <laughs> Clear us. Full hearts. Can't lose. Too sweet. Too sweet.